Welcome to Slow Stories. I'm Rachel Schwartzman, the founder of Connected Editorial and the host and creator of this podcast. For those of you just joining in, Slow Stories is a series that deep dives into the rising slow content movement. In each of these episodes, I interview brand builders, entrepreneurs, and creative professionals who share what slow content means in the context of what they're building and why slowing down and creating thoughtful stories is more important than ever. This episode begins with a story from Arlena Armstrong Peacock, who shares a grounding practice that always slows her down. Here's more from Arlena. Hi, I'm Arlena, founder and designer behind the clothing brand Marvin Ruby. I'm based in upstate New York, and something that has stopped me from scrolling over the past few years is foraging. A normal walk in my neighborhood is great for me to problem solve or digest the day but to truly detach and unplug from whatever is going on in the world or on the internet, foraging is an unanticipated meditation practice. My senses are overtaken by the smell of the trees and last fall's leaves beneath my feet, the cuts of light finding their way down to the ground, sounds of small creatures startled by my presence, and the details of small corners of the forest I would never look for on a normal hike. I don't claim to be a pro who knows every mushroom, leaf, and berry, but I do know a few. In the springtime, ramps are an intoxicating discovery. During the summer, it's berries. And in the fall, hunting for whatever mushroom I can successfully identify, growing under a particular species of tree, allows for a refreshing pause and reward in the crazy world we're living in. Thank you so much again to Arlena for sharing. You can learn more about her brand, Marvin Ruby, online at marvinruby.com. Now here's my conversation with Laura Kramer and Star Hout. Picture this, a vast expanse of Texas road and sky, two best friends, and a world of possibility. It was here that Laura Kramer and Star Hout came together and unknowingly conceived a piece apart, a brand revered for design-forward staples that, in their words, act as witnesses to our lives and never go out of style. While the duo's shared love for beauty has culminated in timeless clothing, style is just one part of their story. For Laura and Star, community building anchors everything in a piece apart, and this notion has become even more vital as the world continues to change at warp speed. Though they may not always know what's ahead, Laura and Star are still looking forward, moving slower, and are sure of one thing, their best work is yet to come. In this interview, Laura and Star shared more about their enduring relationship, what it means to them to tell slow stories, and what they've learned about building support systems in business and life. Laura and Star absolutely radiated joy, and I could say so much more about our conversation, but I'll let this duo speak for themselves. So without further delay, here's Laura Kramer and Star Hout, co-founders of A Piece Apart. One of my favorite questions that I've recently heard is, who are you becoming? And so I'm becoming, you know, mom, wife, partner, devoted steward of anything I can to help Mother Earth. I love staying inspired, happy, happy person. 
I'm Laura, and let's see. I am for sure a mother, a business partner, friend, daughter, wife, all those things. I'm also daughter of an artist and a businesswoman. That's my mother, and an Episcopal priest. So I think like all of those things kind of merge in me, where big questions are really important to me, and I like hanging out in them. And I think that's something that people who know me would agree with. I also really love growth, you know, like getting better all the time is really important to me. Star and I just did a values inquiry and, you know, beauty is clearly very important to us, but we've started to say it more and more and it feels so true. I love home. I love being in my home and creating home and I really love play. All important things. What do you value about one another? I mean, Star and I are both very similar. And then we have, you know, these subtle differences that are just so, I mean, still, we've known each other for how long, Star? I mean, I think it's like 20, maybe two years. I think a long time. A really long time. And I still like every interaction I delight in, you know, like (laughs) nobody makes me laugh like with one word like Star does. (laughs) (laughs) But I was just describing her to somebody this morning and Star, you have like this boldness and this like real kind of clarity of character that comes across like you're both welcoming but also very clear and it's just I think it's very magnetic for people and so having a business partner that is like that has been so powerful for me as well oh that's so nice Laura thank you Mm -hmm. I'm like clutching my hands and gleefully smiling. (laughs) I'm like a puppy dog. (laughs) That's so great. Well, you know, again, Laura and I have known each other more of our life than not, which is just so cool. And it's really such an honor. What I love so much about Laura is Laura is hilarious, first off. She's always been the smartest woman in the room, smartest person in the room. You know, she's very sharp and quick and and very insightful and very intuitive. Laura is very down to earth. You know, she's really like very salt of the earth, but she definitely keeps one foot in gratitude and one foot in desire. You know, she's a wonderful, great right hand to have. She's a super duper problem solver. You know, we met at a computer programming class, a graduate level computer programming class. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being completely over my head. And of course, Laura wasn't in over her head. So I was calling her, asking her, can you please help me? You know, it would be that call multiple times. And and that has happened like consistently through this. She just has this can do it for a piece of part and for our personal lives. I mean, if you're like, oh, I've had this like headache for a while, you know, Laura will go in and try to figure out how to help, you know, whatever it is. It's like an extraordinary benefit to have her problem solving with you, whether it's as a friend or as a partner. And we you know, have all sorts of challenges with our business in good ways. And, you know, she's very down to earth and then also is able to really problem solve. And then also we can just laugh until we are red in the face, just like at the absurdity of life and all the craziness it brings up. (laughs) Yeah, we, Star and I recently did some coaching and like did this sort of strengths assessment and we shared the results with one another. It was so incredible to do that with your partner. And like I always call Star my other marriage. And in it, you know, it like takes all these qualities and it 
puts it together and creates your top strengths. And I think when we did that, we also saw things that we already knew, but named them. And it was so interesting because, you know, yes, my problem solver was like my number one strength. And I was sort of like a little let down because I thought maybe something crazy was going to come out. Like, I don't know, I should be a poet. That would be fabulous. But instead, it was like something that I think we all really know about me. And then stars futurism really like came Mm -hmm. to the surface. And like, that is so true. It's like between my I can solve not any problem, but I kind of like doing that and stars futurism. I mean, that's the recipe for, you know, the business that we have and the brand that we have. Has it been challenging for you to kind of let go of problem solving a little bit, just given the fact that the ground sort of keeps shifting beneath our feet? I would never let it go. (laughs) I can't let it go. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, that's the joke is it's like sort of annoying, you know, sometimes to other people, you know, that like classic story of somebody who like a friend who's like, I just want to tell you something. I just want to maybe kvetch, maybe complain, just let me. And it's really hard for me to turn it off there and just straight up listen, you know, and I have a lot of empathy to me, but I really, there's a part of me that just wants to be like, well, let's get on this problem, you know, let's figure it out. And then when it comes to a piece of part and your origin story, you've touched a little bit on your friendship and how you've met. I was going to ask you more about some resonant memories from your road trip that sort of inspired the brand. But I first wanted to ask if you're thinking about the past and when do you think thinking about the past can be productive or nourishing? I mean, that's a big question. I would say I'm also pretty future forward. I like to think about the past in terms of self-reflection, I guess, and seeing how far you've journeyed, you know, like that's important to do sometimes. But I think that in some ways, and this is, you know, just me, I'm not that sentimental. So I really like going forward. I completely agree. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. So I'll only ask one question then. Do you remember the conversation that sort of ignited the actual building and planning for a piece of part? Yes. I mean, you know, Laura and I, dear friends, right? You know, we share birthdays together for a few hours apart and had celebrated many birthdays together. And so this was a birthday. It was our 30th birthday. Let's figure something out. And I think I was like, maybe I'll just come there. Can I borrow some money and, you know, it pay back? <laughs> so we basically, I land in Austin, which is just such a cool city and has always been such a cool city. And, you know, Laura has lived in Austin for a really long time. I mean, back and forth from New York, but we go and have margaritas. And I had started my own collection. I was really trying to do, you know, organic and peace silk and all these things that 15 years ago were really hard to do. So I was kind of like completely frazzled with this idea that I had and was kind of just like, oh, you know, I was tired. It's like either I'm going to go into another industry or I don't even know what. Let's just have some margaritas and chips, you know. Laura had basically the idea at the restaurant, which was this like very refined mix and match wardrobe that could be mix and match to go anywhere and do anything. And I just remember hearing that and being like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And Laura had her own journey coming into this moment. Mm -hmm. I had been in Buenos Aires 
for Christmas. February is our birthday. That Christmas I was in Buenos Aires and, you know, this is 15 years ago. It was really an exciting time there. It was before one of the mini crashes that have happened. And there were a lot of makers like creating businesses there. There was shoe brands, there was clothing brands, and my parents were living there at the time. And so I went and took my now husband and I was just really energized by the spirit. It was just very freeing. And I came back to Austin and my boyfriend and I had just moved in together. And I said to him, let's move to Buenos Aires. I think we need to do that. And he was like, why? And I was like, oh, it was so exciting. And he's like, um, I'm going to need a better reason than that, essentially. And we had this like kind of out and out fight about it where he said, Laura, I think you might need a hobby. And it was like one of the cruelest things at the time, you know, that I had heard. But he was right. I just wasn't living in my truth, my creative truth. And I was looking for outward places, you know, things to either distract me or inspire me. And at that point, I started kind of pursuing interest. And it was random interest. I was doing weaving classes and textile dyeing. I was really into textiles. And so I thought maybe that was the future for me. And I had been a graphic designer up until that point. So all of it seemed to come together in that way. And so when Star arrived, I had been toying with this concept of a collection, but only for me. I was just going to make some clothing because I wanted to wear it. And when I shared it with her, she saw the big idea. And that is very much, again, that like, you know, I'm a problem solver and she's a futurist. And so she saw the future forward view of it. And that happened before the trip to Marfa. It was the trip to Marfa where we were driving in my, I had an old Mercedes at the time and it truly broke down, you know, on the eight hour drive, it broke down like six times along the way. And so we had a lot of time on our hands getting out there and we started kind of just messing around with the idea. And there was like a modular component to the idea Mm -hmm. that was really exciting to us. And it for sure coincided with the Donald Judd work that we saw when we were there and you know part of it was like this ability to have just a few like a minimal approach to dressing having a few pieces and putting those in a bag and then being able to be free and go anywhere in the world do anything and that's you know the origin story um and we got back to austin star and her now husband flew back to new york and i think it was the next day we were all at our day jobs again and star called and said let's do it. And I remember saying, what? (laughs) Again, she saw it and I was still kind of like, and oh, that, okay. And so we came up with like a whole game plan of creating a collection together and really the rest is history. And we don't talk about history. (laughs) Was the name of the brand something you came together on or was that star too? (laughs) No, um, it was totally, we had an email going back and forth with names. And I like at one point I found it and I can't find it anymore. But we were like, oh, apart, we're apart. Parts, pieces, pieces, parts. It like truly was the two of us playing almost in a sing-song way back and forth. And we came up with it. And what's cool is that it stopped. Yeah. Like we've like we fully sung the words back and forth and then the song was done. 
you know, mm-hmm. let me figure it out. That it didn't continue after that. You know, what is interesting, I just say, like, is that that trip was like a 72 hour trip or something mm-hmm. like that. So, so short. And just like what the power of going and, you know, doing it is just thank God I, you know, asked to borrow money and come visit and celebrate, you know, I mean, the bigger thing was the celebration. We figured out a way. And I think there's also something that is for us, this feeling, this like sense of unburdened freedom that's really important in that origin story. The idea of design being something that could support life and support the person. I feel that origin story in me and I see the wide open plains that we were driving with. And I see, you know, Donald Judd, you know, getting to the Chinati Foundation was so much a part of it in the white buildings of Marfa. There's a real sense of freedom from it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a visceral feeling for me from that. And it comes in in every collection we do. That feeling of freedom, of sun, of wind, of not being held down, you know, of like all of our stuff, (laughs) of which we have all so much stuff, right? But the feeling, like the idea of not having all this stuff in your closet that is in your nose and in your face all the time. And like, you're just trying to get your heart's work, your bliss of the day done. And you have to have this challenge of getting dressed, you know? And so it inspires me to this day, that story. Mm -hmm. And reminds me of how blessed we are where our design is our passion. It's been such a privilege. Yeah, it's amazing. And I actually want to go back to something you said about support. Love to hear about how your partnership taught you what a support system is or conversely what it's not Mm -hmm. and how that's changed in the last couple of years. Well, I feel like what's been really important to us is community and, you know, particularly communities of women, you know, like we couldn't have made this story that we're talking about without so many different women that were by our side, you know, and I think we were really, we were inspired by our mothers and our grandmothers, our sisters. And in the early days, leaning on all these incredible women that we had known from New York, from our local haunts and whatnot, who came together and believed in the idea with us and believed in us and really raised us up. I could name so many names of people who were there for us and Mm -hmm truly made the difference between our idea taking off or not. And I think that's really true too. It's like what we've put into our mission statement is that we're supporting women and women are supporting us, you know, and that's been important. And then beyond that, you know, Star and I, how we like support each other. Yes, we're business partners and we're friends. We're both mothers, you know, so some of the most probably powerful times in our business have been moments when we've been unsure, maybe scared a little bit, maybe, you know, things are going on with our bodies that are out of our control. Mm -hmm. And being there for each other in those ways have allowed us to like really keep going and just to know that there's people in your corner who have gone through it or are there for you it does make all the difference so I think supportiveness is everything and that's what we hope to do with our clothing and our stories and our branding and as we continue the mission that we're on absolutely and then kind of zooming out a little bit in terms of the stories that you're telling. I want to get into that because you've done such a wonderful job of fostering the community and telling the stories of the women who are driving everything that you're doing. But I'm curious if there's a story that either of you have come across recently, whether it's been an article, a poem, 
even a woman interview on the site that has sort of made you slow down or impacted your relationship with design in an unexpected way? There's a woman who will be featured in our interviews. Her name is Victoria Song. She's an absolutely amazing, brilliant mind. And she has this book called Bending Reality. And she also has a coaching workshop. And it's been really powerful for me, everything that she does. I highly recommend the book. You know, it's all about bending reality and just, you know, bringing forth into the world that which you really want. So a lot of it is based off making sure you're creating decisions out of expansion instead of contraction. That's the basic foundation of her work. And one of the most important things we can do is know when we're in states of contraction and then how to get out of it. And so the number one thing that can trigger a state of contraction is when you are feeling rushed and you don't have enough time, which is Mm -hmm. like absolutely, totally classic me, just rushing through everything. Like there's just never enough time. I'm too busy. I've got this to do. I got that, you know, all that stuff. And I know I'm not alone here. And just knowing that that's actually a state of contraction. So it's really helped me to know when I'm feeling good and when I'm feeling open in a state of expansion, that's where all my best work comes from. So just like knowing and honoring that as important has been really helpful for me. So having fun doing our job, I know that that brings the most abundance and prosperity for a piece of art. And you have to slow down because you can't feel rushed. That's been really powerful for me. And to just really allow myself to enjoy what I do. We're so lucky to do what we do and getting through a lot of feelings of guilt about obsessing over design and beautiful things has been really powerful for me. Now I'm like, this is just who I am. It's my passion. So the combination of slowing down because I don't have to be always in a rush Mm -hmm. has been really powerful. We just did an interview of Mecca James Williams, who's this incredible stylist, kind of cultural critic, and she's living in Jamaica right now, but she was talking about her life and manifestation and how she's essentially manifested everything that's happened. I, you know, was struck by that because I think the same for sure is true of me and of Star and When I say manifestation, I don't mean it in a, you know, like the statement, dreaming is a form of planning and Mm -hmm. making sure that we're all allotting the necessary amount of time for that dreaming slash thinking planning. That's been difficult for me to own, even though I know it's so true, like just getting out of a mindset of, you know, hyper productivity and into kind of a state of rest and thought and making sure that there's time for that. That's been very important. Absolutely. I was just kind of thinking about what you were saying earlier, Star, about how lucky you are to do what you do in terms of style. And I came across an interview you guys did for The Hollywood Reporter. I think it was three or four years ago now, but you mentioned that you thought of style as a form of emotional wellness or a function of emotional wellness. I'm curious if you still think that's true and what role pace has played in kind of helping you arrive at that conclusion. Yeah, I mean, I am just a total design junkie. I just really believe that design can support life. So style, meaning like, what are those blocks that are built together to support what makes you feel good? Clothing is a basic need, you know, so clothing on your back is a basic need. And then there's also, what do I believe in? How do I wear it? And how does it express itself? Also matters. And I think that's when it gets really fun. 
And I think for us, it's like, we come out, you know, we're children, we grew up, I, Laura, I'm sure didn't, but my parents were like Costco shoppers and there was just gluttonous amounts of just like crap. This was the beginning of fast fashion. So we come out of this like, oh, there's just so much, you know, there's the basic needs, which are super important. And then there's like a, but you don't need all this stuff. This stuff is actually bogging you down. So I think having the awareness of knowing what makes you feel good and then supporting that, I think is total well-being. In terms of your process, have there been any unexpected challenges or rewards of designing during a time where our lives have become a little bit more insular? You know, I'm sure a lot of people's personal style or relationship with style has changed. And as you say, clothing is a basic need. How do you maintain that creative spirit throughout a time of crisis? Well, I mean, as it relates to time, I think what's been so important going back to the creative process is during this, we realized that we had been living in an urgent state for, you know, all 13 or 12 or 13 years of our business. Mm -hmm. And we actually, during this time, we were able to jump ahead in the process from a creative standpoint and like kind of shifted our relationship to the calendar you know, it's a little boring the way that we did it, but like the impact has been huge. I mean, we have just been running around, you know, with our heads cut off for years, you know, living at a pace that was pretty unsustainable, you know, and yes, we were making amazing things happen during that time. But I think there was something about the slowing down of the world. And luckily, we're in positions where that more or less happened despite homeschooling and all the chaos, but that there was a little time to rethink how we created and what the creative process would look like. Also, Star moved upstate and I moved to Austin and Mm -hmm. our core team is still in New York. So we had to shift how we were creating. And I think there's been some really beautiful, again, impact of that, how we share images, how we come up with documents that like guide the visual creative process. And then I think because, you know, in the early days of what happened, we were so heartfelt, attuned to our audience, attuned to humanity and mothers and women everywhere, that I think we probably did get into more of an empathetic design state due to that. You know, the stakes felt very high. And what we were doing needed to be really meaningful for people, you know, if they were going to spend money with us. And so I think all of those things have collaborated to what we're doing now. And I think both Star and I are feeling just so excited about the future and excited about our design and our impact comes across for me. I mean, I've followed a piece apart for years, particularly through a storytelling lens. We've been talking about your incredible woman interview series. And with that in mind, kind of parallel to what you were saying about just a slower, more considered design process for those who may not know. With slow stories, I was really interested in kind of drawing from movements like slow fashion and slow food and seeing if there was a way we could apply those values and practices into our digital lives and stories. And so something that I like to ask my guests, particularly those who are makers, is what this idea of slow storytelling or content means to them. Just, you know, given the fact that you guys have kind of been leaders in that brand storytelling space. 
It's an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, this is slow is an interesting, you know, word. I guess the question is, is digital storytelling now all fast or it too can be slow? I guess what I'm toiling with is slow content for me would have been what I grew up with, you know, where we were hunting for zines or cool (laughs) magazines out of the UK. And, you know, when Star and I started developing our storytelling, one, we were maybe a little helmed in by old notions of editorials or aspirational content. You know, we love image making, but I think as we've evolved, we saw how important, I don't know, I guess maybe what the heart of what we were doing was maybe more important in some ways than the visual aspect Mm -hmm. and the digital modes that we're playing with now, we see how, for instance, a photograph of somebody's breakfast unproduced might be more meaningful to somebody than the beautiful photograph out in nature that we've created and has been very well balanced plays in a digital universe. I mean, I'm sort of getting off track, but I think the most important thing about what we set out to do with our storytelling was one, focus on women and the stories of women, because that was, as we've already talked about, the support system of our lives. And that's what we wanted to do for other people. And then we also wanted to make it so nobody consuming the content that it didn't make people feel badly about themselves. You know, Star and I had a really important conversation, I think in traffic in New York somewhere where, Mm -hmm. you know, we were talking about how all the content of this time, and I think it was probably like 2012, just felt so hyper-produced and it almost felt aggressive in that it made me feel badly about my life if I didn't look a certain way or my home didn't like look a certain way. I started to kind of feel like it was an attack of some sort. So when we set out to do our storytelling, it was like, let's make sure that we're showcasing women in the real authentic lives of women, not these like perfect moments. And to continually to do that in, you know, in the words that we used and then in the images that we captured. And so I think that's what we've been playing with over the years is how to continue to do that. Have there been any unexpected narratives that have arisen during the exploration of how you're telling these stories? I mean, I think it's just how every life is amazing, you know, and every woman has come with like such a story of vulnerability and triumph, whether they're telling a success story, or whether they're telling the real deal, the real hardship. And, you know, I think those are the stories that get us, like bring us to our knees. Yeah, I just think, you know, the stories of triumph of women is just like incredibly inspiring to us. I mean, I think it's probably inspiring to everyone, right? It's not just us alone. I mean, we have had, I'll speak for myself, I've really had to put my phone to bed, not consume as much. And when I do consume, it's got to be like meaning-based consumption. And I love podcasts. I love learning. I love meaning. I love staying in a state of joy. So I look only for things that do that, you know, from like a slowing down place. So for us, it's been like our air and water in many ways because we're like oh this cool woman and this cool woman it's like a blessing and a curse you can't do too much of it or you fry yourself but it's like just incredibly rich and it's been so amazing because I feel 
like I have friends all over and some of them I've never even met. They're just like, they're my buds. So yeah, it's a double, what is it? Double dip feeling, you know, it's like incredibly potent and thank goodness for it. And really has, there's been so many ways that I've learned to slow down. I mean, Victoria Song, for instance, came from Carrie Lynn Palmer of Cat Beauty and Cereal. I found her through them. So it's that gift, but we all have to learn the self-discipline when it's too much. I will be on the lookout for that. Yeah, she's amazing. I mean, there are so many stories and even questions that I think a lot of people in our communities are posing. And I'm sure as creatively oriented founders, you both are constantly reflecting or questioning ways you can evolve your process or practice and just live a little bit more fully. And so with that said, I'm curious if there is a question that you hope people will start asking you more often as we kind of dig into the year and make some of those things flourish? There's a question that I've recently put into, you know, part of my daily practice or weekly practice and pretty basic, but looking back on this moment, what am I going to want to do here? Seeing each of the, you know, daily questions from the perspective of end of life, or maybe even just 20 years down the line, what am I going to want to do? What is it that I want this moment to be about? You know, how will I have wanted to act? I mean, that's a long view, but I think it does kind of start to shed some light on daily moments or daily questions. It's a good one. Sort of taps into your problem solving point of view. (laughs) Star, do you have one? You know, this came from Ritual, who's one of my favorite podcast hosts. And this is just from a recent interview he had, but just the idea of who are you becoming? And I think that's just so interesting because we're so lucky. I feel so grateful to Laura and our partners. And I really feel like there's so much more for us to do, you know, like our best work is ahead of us. And I love that idea. I love the Mm -hmm. idea that our best work is ahead of us. So the idea of who are we becoming, you know, has been really galvanizing to me. And then I guess to kind of close things out and also follow up on that question, what's a question that you want to ask one another more often? Gosh, that's a really hard one. (laughs) What's what's your latest home purchase? (laughs) What color sheets are you getting? Are you getting color sheets? Bangs or no bangs? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, maybe what's next? What else do we want to bring forth? Because it's been so powerful. We're so capable of, I mean that on an individual level, we're so capable of realizing dreams. So what next? conversation with Laura Kramer and Star Hout, co-founders of A Piece Apart. You can shop A Piece Apart online at apieceapart.com and follow them on social at A Piece Apart. Stay tuned as we'll be sharing highlights from this episode on our own channels at Slow Stories Official on Instagram and at Slow Stories Pod on Twitter. I'm Rachel Schwartzman and you've been listening to Slow Stories. Thank you so much for tuning in.